We're going to get into what's going on with him and the interesting story behind it later. But right now, you're checking out RSVP with Joe Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. Thank you for rocking with us, VIPs. I am joined tonight with Giandra LaBeouf, film and TV critic, boxing analyst extraordinaire. We may get into a little bit of that for this sure. time later because, you know, there's a lot happening. We're about 10 days away from a big match. So yes. it's a little bit to talk about there. And you'll be back to talk about that more. But that's of another course. thing. So King James, our Lakers, you know, point forward. Do you think that, I know what I think, but do you think of Anthony, that this is Anthony Davis's team at this point or LeBron's team? Just because it's LeBron, it's still LeBron's team. I don't think if you press an, anybody who's a Laker fan and asked them that, I mean, they might like Anthony Davis's play, but it's still LeBron's team until he goes. I agree with that. I Quietly, <laughs> quietly, I would not have been upset if they had decided to trade Anthony Davis. Quietly. But that's just, you know, quietly. 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 Just because, you know. Anyway, why do you think he never waxes his unibrow? He said he likes it. It's kind of his thing. He doesn't see a reason to. He ma he feels like it makes him unique. So, if he doesn't cosplay as Frida Kahlo at least once in his life, it's a lost opportunity. <laughs> Anthony, what have you to say about the Lakers and whose team? Uh, Andy. Oh. <laughs> oh, did I say I said Anthony? No worries. My bad, bad because we're talking about Anthony Davis. You know, LeBron he's probably better, doing voodoo. LeBron better watch out for Austin Reeves, man. Austin Reeves, I think, is uh, he's he wants to claim that title. You think so? I think so. S like seriously, the way he played. I mean, he said he was him. Yeah. He, I mean, but I'm him. I feel like you can say I'm him while standing next to him and still be your own version of him. Yes, he not did do that. Him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, if Austin Reed shows out this coming season, he might be the guy in L.A. He already has the swag. He has the moxie. He has the ability. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not mad at that. I Well, I'm not mad at him being a guy he won't be the guy because how can you be the guy on a team with lebron realistically i'm yes. saying i'm saying after this season once lebron is done if he is done he's not done he's he said he's done. coming back no i'm saying after this season what i'm saying after this season win or lose what is it 21 season after that this is saying. the 21st season, the coming, 21st up. season yeah. coming up so i'm just yeah i wouldn't be surprised if lebron decides to hang it up and austin reeves takes over he has to anoint him, though. Only Can he if, just take over? Can right, he? but here's the thing. Only if, is Bronny coming out next year? Because right. I definitely think he wants to push that agenda. I don't know if Bronny is on board with that agenda, but I definitely believe LeBron wants to push that agenda. Uh, we'll see. Bronny has to show out at USC this coming season. Right. Oh, you know what would be amazing? If Bronny did a whole epic heel turn and then played for, like, the Celtics or something wild like that. Do you know how much storytelling could go in that? I mean, not really, because you know why I say not really? Like, there's a little bit there, but I don't think at its core, people really consider LeBron a legacy Laker. Like, he's a Laker. We honor him. Yes, he brought a title. But there's still people that are like, eh, I don't know if I would give LeBron a, a statue at Staples. I don't know if I would um, retire LeBron's jersey 
And at this point, which jersey would you retire? Because to the point, for the fourth time in LeBron's 20-year career, he is changing his number. Rich Paul confirmed to ESPN on Saturday that he will go from six, which he has been rocking his entire time here with the Lakers, back to 23. He says he's doing that out of respect for Bill Russell. The NBA has decided to retire the number six all the way across the league. We know LeBron wore 23 in high school. He wore it with the Cavs. When he went to Miami, he had the six. When he came back to the Cavs, he went back to 23. And then when he came out here, he went with the six. I like it. New legacy. So nah, you, he was here with the 23. He was here with the 23. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. He switched when Anthony Davis mm-hmm. was traded here, and he gave him the 23. No, he always rocked 23. When Anthony Davis came, LeBron wanted to give Oh, AD right. 23. And he said no. But AD was like, you know what? Keep 23. I'm going to rock with number three. So LeBron never wore six here? He wore six this past season. Okay. That's why I'm like, wait, I'm confused. I'm like, I know he wore six here, but now he's going back. So I guess he just wanted to win six, not, you know, win the scoring title, not wearing Jordan's number. <laughs> That's kind of what I make it, you know, break it down to or whatever, but. Now he's switching back. What I can say is I do think that this helps LeBron's jersey sales. Not that he probably was suffering, but you always got to update your LeBron jersey, whether Mm -hmm. it's for team or numbers sake. So it keeps you, you know, in the retail cycle as far as LeBron and all of that. Yeah, for legacy LeBron fans, it's good. They have to collect everything, almost like trading cards. But back to this whole Bronny thing, though. Okay. I'm very intrigued by that. When you have a child who is a legacy right. uh, a legacy player, eventual NBA player, is it acceptable for them for him to play anywhere other than Los Angeles, Cleveland, or, or Miami? Is it a heel turn if he plays at any city other than those three as a legacy kid? I mean, well, I think for LeBron, it doesn't count because LeBron has moved, changed the um, the model of that. He's won three titles, you know, well, four titles, but three titles in three different cities, you know, with three different franchises. So that kind of as a lead player, as the core and not, you know, as I'm jumping on this train to get a ring, we obviously know that hasn't been done before. So I don't know if anybody looks at it and is like, oh, if Bronny goes to Indiana, you know, or whatever, that is a foul of the Cavs' nature or Miami Heat because they played in the finals. You remember when Lance Stevenson blew in LeBron's ear? He can't play there. I don't think anybody cares like that. I think if it had been something like Kobe, perhaps. But even you think about it, um, did people feel that way about Shaquille's son when he was, you know, going through his paces trying to suit up? But the difference is now you have this whole NIL factor that the kids are all a part of now. And you think of just the the, the sheer venom people have for LeBron and other stadiums or other arenas so if you're brawny is it more beneficial to you mentally to play somewhere totally different that your dad didn't play and but maybe you risk the venom of the fandom there being like oh you suck we hate you like we hate your dad or do you try to go and carve out a new legacy that your your father forged the path for what would, what would you rather for if you had someone who was or you knew someone how would you advise them doesn't Bronny wear number six yes so I, I feel like 
there are certain things, I mean, just by nature, he's LeBron James Jr., you know, even though he's brawny, he's wearing six, he has it tatted on his neck, so he plans to keep it for a while. I think that there are certain things that just by nature of the way that this legacy was handed off to him, He's going to get no matter what. It doesn't matter. Even if he came to the Lakers, there would be people that are mad that say that he doesn't deserve to be here. So I think he's going to have to deal with that no matter where he goes. The, only, the thing that I question and I think is a big deal, I don't know that he necessarily wants to play with his dad. I don't get that vibe. I have no inside information. There is nothing that says that. That's just the feeling that I get. I don't think that he's on that wave right now. Maybe you should do a real heel turn and be a clipper. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, that would just, there'd be a lot of sick people. Sounds like this wouldn't clear that. <laughs> I don't even think it's up to Bronny uh, as far as, you know, what team that he's going to be selected. It's not. To, it's know? not at all. But, I mean, we do. So, it's not up to him at all. Obviously, we know ping pong balls fall where they may you don't have an opportunity to get involved in that but with your dad moving the pieces behind the scenes and sign in trade deals and handshake deals and things like that I think that you know not even saying just some improper stuff going on just you know once the draft whenever that time comes once the draft is set and all of those things I think that there are conversations that could be had or moves that could be tried, you know, plays, a three-team trade, something like that, that could happen um, to set it up. We see it all the time. I mean, I saw somebody say on social media, shout out to M. Kells. He is part of basketball Twitter. He said that he's upset now that they're taking so long to announce James Harden to the Clippers. And there's one other move that has been taught. Oh, um, Dame Lillard to Miami Heat. Mm. His position is both of those deals are still done. So, you know, we're just waiting for it to happen. I think that although it doesn't necessarily mean that things are set up one-to-one, like that there's that type of, um, you know, backhandedness going on. I do think once the play is in motion, people see what the board is looking like and trying to make their best moves possible. We'll see what the next season brings. I just hope my Lakers are in a better place next season. Well, somebody that's in a better place is Inter-Miami CF. That is the Miami um, soccer club that's part of MLS that is partially owned by David Beckham. You know, Lionel Messi has joined the MLS. It is a huge, huge deal. CNN reported that tickets are selling for as much as $110,000, making it one of the most expensive tickets ever recorded for an MLS team. Okay? How, how many tickets for the 100 k do you get? You know, maybe a couple. Wow. You know, it's not, yeah. If you're that person who bought those tickets, let me roll with you. They're going to show up and show out. Do you think, though, with Messi coming over, one of, you know, obviously Europe's biggest soccer stars from the football club, we see an uptick in soccer in the U.S. Do you think it'll matter? Do you think that it's going to be able to take its place maybe as the third, you know, sport and replace baseball or work its way up? 
It could, and depending on where they're playing. In L.A., it's always going to be a tough sell. You know, we have a championship football club here, LAFC. Shout out to them. They won. Yeah. And it's still not as popular as basketball, baseball, football, or hockey in Los Angeles. But if you live, if there's a game in Terre Haute, Indiana, it's going to be the hottest ticket in town. There are, and people will fly to other cities to get the opportunity to see him to play because maybe an arena ticket is cheaper in Michigan than it is in Miami. Right. Who knows? But I just, the culture of the United States, we're still not there where people watch it, but it's not the most popular sport in the United States. It's getting there, but it's still going to be behind basketball, football, baseball, hockey, going to the movies, (laughs) going hiking. Really? You think, I mean, hiking and that type of stuff, that's a very LA thing. I mean, overall, (laughs) you think that, (laughs) like you said, in Terre Haute, Indiana, or, you know, someplace else, you don't think that they'll take up the mantle? Las Vegas, Nevada. Is, uh, who's the soccer there. team in Vegas? They have a soccer team there, don't they? But they don't have him. They could do multiples, you know, if it's uh, a try. I'm not sure. How I don't, how does that even work? Do you always only play at your – when you're a star of that caliber, do you only play at your arena and everybody else comes there? No, you travel. Like, it's just like the other sports. You have a, a way, a home and away road record. Don't cook me in, in the comments because I'm very <laughs> ignorant to how soccer works. Okay, so listen to this, right? We've been talking about, we touched a little bit on Vegas. We've been talking about sports, right? So starting with the NBA, right? The Mm -hmm. NBA wants year-round attention now as far as the sports landscape, Mm -hmm. right? We know usually after June and after the draft, it falls off. Summer League this year, they went big. They started their NBA con thing like any other fan con thing. They did it big. The Players Association had a party with performances. That's usually what they do during NBA All-Star, right? And they also announced that they have the um, the in-season tournament that's coming in December. Tickets have already gone up for sale on that. What also takes place in Las Vegas is the Commissioner's Cup, which is what the WNBA's in-season tournament is, right? We have the Raiders in Vegas. We know the Las Vegas Aces are balling. They've won a title. The um, Las Vegas Knights, that's the hockey franchise. We know the Oakland A's are supposed to be coming, and perhaps in the future sometime, an NBA franchise. We already know, we just talked about the Crawford and Spence fight that's coming up in about 10 days that's in Vegas and UFC. Mm-hmm. Has Las Vegas at this point become the live sports capital of the country because they just keep on adding stuff on and las vegas when you really think about the size of it isn't that large but i mean we know there's a lot of hotels do you think that eventually things like i i halfway expect at some point I know why they move the Super Bowl around and I know what it does for the franchises. Same thing with All-Star. But I really think we're kind of coming to a point where we could see Vegas be, well, maybe not 
for All-Star because now that they have the um, in-season tournament, they have something that happens during the season where people are going to come there. That weekend, I think it's December 9th and 10th in Vegas. Boy, that in an Usher show, that's going to be a time, a time to be at. So do you think that Vegas is going to be the next destination for live sports? They've also had FS1 go through the streets. So is that the expectation that Vegas will have um, a year-long sports series? It, it's the place. They already have the infrastructure for it. They don't have anything competing with it. You have casinos there, which already mean, which means hotels all concentrated in one place, all of the arenas are relatively close to each other. You can get to them easily. You don't have to, like, say, our city here that we love, but if you want to go see the Angels, you got to go all the way to Orange County or you've got to go all the way here or all the way there. Plus, not to mention, if you're not from here, it's kind of difficult to figure out where you want to stay, what's safe, what's close to the arena, et cetera. In Vegas, it's already there. Everything's there. The hotel is are there they're building new ones constantly you can go see the hockey game and then go back to your hotel be right there on the strip and you have built-in things to do without having to pay additional money out of your pocket except your recreational costs in LA hell half your budget is gas that is fact when we come forward we're going to continue with some sports trending headlines and news we're going to talk about some information that Jadik has dropped about his old friend Kanye and what he thinks about that. We're going to also talk about Ebro's comments about Drake and we're going to give you some information about the WNBA and their numbers and what they're doing. All that and more, you're checking out RSVP with Joe Monroe on KBLA Talk 1580. Welcome forward. You are checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe right here live on KBLA Talk 1580. We are live in Lamert Park, California. So we were talking about the NBA and all of the other sports that are seemingly taking up residence in Vegas. And speaking of just this last weekend, sandwiched in between the All-Star Game, all the ladies going to check out Usher. <laughs> Um, I mean, Summer League, excuse me, was the WNBA All-Star Game. So the past year, this All-Star, well, the past year, this most recent All-Star Game was the most watched for the league in 16 years. It's the first time that it aired on primetime on ABC, and it averaged 850,000 viewers and peaked about 955,000. That's about a, I think they said double what, its most recent highest ratings were. So the WNBA is climbing. So I want to ask you, we talked about this a little bit last night with my guests. Do you watch the WNBA? I don't watch all the games, but I do watch some of them. Full disclosure, I'm a little biased because I have a cousin who's a WNBA coach. She used to coach the Chicago Chicago Sky. Shout out to them. Dwayne Wade just bought it into that franchise. Shout out to my cousin, Pokey Chapman. She graduated from LSU. Shout out to you, girl. She's an assistant coach in Seattle now. So I'm a little biased with watching WNBA games. I'm very partial to women's sports just because we're so underrepresented in that space so I will try to at least watch some games during the season just to be aware of what's going on but to this to your point 
this is the most media coverage I've seen. Just even things on social media was impressive because I've never seen any type of coverage like that before. The three-point contest, I think Sabrina Iescu, I might be jacking up her name. She um, That was Kobe's girl. She set a record with their three-point contest. Her shoe was actually kind of attractive as well. And also... The um, Myel, my favorite curly hair product, announced a partnership with the WNBA, which I feel like it's crazy to me how slow and how long it took for beauty brands to get on board with the WNBA. Exactly. It's beyond nuts to me because it's like, I get it. Maybe they felt it was a disconnect between what an athletic girl and maybe a girl who is a gym girl they think want as far as the thing but I still think that you could be authentic and talk to both those audiences like they are and you know it's okay and obviously they're growing into those sectors but it's so interesting to me to watch them being like dragged along into this thing when all the numbers are saying hey these are the people you need to be paying attention to it's money in these hills yeah it didn't and that never made any sense to me either the mile signing for them is huge i too am a lover of their product but there are so many directions the wnba could have gone into everything from skincare to moisturizer to lotion to to any socks watches yeah any of those things would have been impressive. It would have made a big difference to the league. Myel, keep blazing the trail. The right. Blazing the trail because that's that's huge and hopefully other brands will follow. And somebody has to figure out how to get them charters because I think it is beyond ridiculous that at 27 years in, they are still catching, you know, regular flights. Mm-hmm. And some of those legs are horrible. You know, I will say all the time, I'm a Sparks Loyalist fan. I do like the Aces, though. I check them Same. out on occasion. And, you know, Candace Parker went to the Chicago Sky. So I, I'm a, I've checked for Candace since she came out of high school and mm-hmm. dunked in the McDonald's All-American game, I believe it was, and was at Tennessee. So I support Candace and her broadcast career. I so. think they're not going to get a charter plane until uh, what year is uh, – Flau J and uh, the other young lady. They play for LSU, Angel, right? Um, yeah, Angel Reese. Yeah, probably about two years. That's when you're going to see your Flau first Because Flau J is going to 10th um, tenth, tenth grade, Lord, <laughs> sophomore. Mm-hmm. And um, Angel is, I think Angel's going to be, a, is she a junior or a senior? I can't remember. That's when, that's when you're going to see the real push is going to begin. Because they're, right now, whether they want to or not, they're the faces of college, women's college basketball. And that's where it's going to fall. I think it's going to follow with them. You know what I find so interesting? Um, when I've interviewed a couple of WNBA players and that were former college players and so forth, and we'll probably get more into this when we come forward, but I find it interesting, and it holds true across the board with the um, – male athletes too, college and high school, a lot of these younger athletes do not watch the sports that they play. Mm -hmm. They watch highlights. They might check it out, but they are not locked in quarter to quarter, game to game, checking in the way that we used to be. So I think it's an interesting phenomenon. I have a theory as to why. We'll get into that in a second. All that and more, you are checking out RSVP on KBLA Talk 1580. I'm living up to that. MVIP, Groovin, 
It's Jill Monroe. You are checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe here on KBLA Talk 1580. I got some trivia for that song that was just playing. Ooh. Now, I know you know who the artist is, right? I think so, yes. <sighs> I'm old. See, that wasn't even the trivia question to who the artist is. <laughs> I was just setting it up. Because <laughs> if you don't know who the artist is, then you definitely might got going to know my question. I might, I might. All right, all right, all right. So, I'll give you a hint. The artist is Curtis Blow. Okay. Right? What L.A. neighborhood did he live in when he moved out here from New York? Oh, a New Yorker. Is it Lamert? Since we're here in Lamert? Close. View Park, Windsor Hills. Ah, yes. That makes perfect sense. So. Shout out to Curtis Blow. Shout out to Curtis Blow in basketball. I feel like anybody that, um, like, was coming of age in the, you know, 80s and 90s or whatever, if you were a cheerleader or something like that, at one point, drill team, cheers, something like that. At one point, you had a routine that involved that song. Of I just course. feel like that. I feel like it was always there. And if you didn't, what were you really doing with your childhood? Right, because what? <laughs> so kind of on the rap tip still, and kind of involving basketball, you know, I'm loosely connecting these things here. But if you ride with me, you'll see how they connect. Drake. Drake. We talked about Drake and that he's kind of been been in the headlines. Before we get into what Ebro said about him and Drake's responsibility, Drake did a show last night in Brooklyn and Steph Curry was in the building. And so I guess now, I don't know, obviously with Usher's show, I understand it's an intimate setting. You know, he walks through the crowd and has conversation with the guests. That's a very Vegas thing to do. Like, they used to do that in the 70s when those acts used to be there. Diana Ross, we've all seen the videos of her running through the crowd singing, reach out and touch somebody's hand and (laughs) handing them the microphone and famous people in attendance. Well, Drake, at his show last night, found or spotted Steph Steph and Aisha Curry and had the whole conversation about how people tell him he looks like Steph Curry. Drake, come on. I'll just light skin. Don't do that. I mean, I know you're probably just having fun, you know. That's the most light skin thing I've heard today. Yeah, he was like, people do say we look alike. So that was what I was going to ask you. Is Drake being light-skinned by saying to Steph, we look alike? And he's over there agreeing. He's not even like trying to participate. I'm not even going to entertain that. That is the most light-skinned thing I have ever heard. I have never heard Sinqua Wells walk up to another chocolate brother and be like, you know, we look alike. Sinqua Walls and Dwayne Wade often have the conversation, like at least on social media or people lob it at each other. Like, what did I call Sinqua and white me? Oh, I probably shouldn't say it. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. It's not bad. I was just like Dwayne Wade light or something like that. Oh, you did say that. But I don't know. You know, but Drake always has this weird smitten thing with basketball players in general. How many meme photos have have we seen of Drake just kind of loving up on ball players? Being right there. He loves basketball. He loves basketball players. And so he probably was too hyped to tell him that. I mean, you know, I think they're friends. There, There was a video of them a few years back where Drake was in the Bay for something and the three of them were at In-N-Out or something like that. Oh so God. I think there's a relationship there. Oh, my God. He's so cornball. Oh, my God. 
So if you haven't heard Ebro Darden, he recently called out Drake because Drake, while he's on tour, you know, his all ablore tour, that is, he's currently on right now with 21 Savage. Mm -hmm. And we know Drake has holograms at this tour. He has uh, LED displays with things going across. And at one, um, one of the shows, part of the display says something about Donald Glover's song. Excuse me. I think he's child. I don't think he's childish Gambino anymore. I think he's just Donald Glover across the board. I think he eliminated the childish Gambino. Hmm. Could be wrong about that. I'll fact check that. But anyway, Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, had once said in a GQ interview a few months back that "This Is America" was really meant to be a diss song to Drake. He's probably joking. It never came out, obviously, but Drake took that personally, of course he did. and he said that the song was whack. So Ebro's stance is that uh, the, on the Apple Music Rap Life Review Show with Nadeska and Loki, who's a popular internet personality, they, well not they, Ebro has said that Drake had no business dissing that song in particular not dissing donald not having a beef with him but dissing that song because he's never stood out or spoken out for black issues and black causes you know and someone dug up a instagram post of drake's from like 2016 where he was saying something about being canadian and ebro put up the flame emoji and all of that so ebro did follow it up and say that drake has no responsibility to speak out on these issues if he doesn't want to but he just feels like with that position he shouldn't have spoken out against donald glover's song here's my thing with that right i don't think any art music is above critique now do i think that drake was being a little petty sure but do i think that he was out of bounds or it was so disrespectful by doing that in and of itself I don't I think that um when you look at it, it it's a hard thing I don't necessarily want every pop star every artist every athlete to speak out and take a position on black issues just because they're black or I know people differentiate between biracial and black, but just because they are of the culture doesn't mean that they need to stand out and represent the culture and speak on the culture's behalf. Mm -hmm. I, I think that people sometimes forget about that, that fame or just because you're an amazing artist doesn't mean that you are the right person to tackle these social issues or even, you know, make a statement. I understand why I understand the drive for that, but I also think that that is something that goes back to the expectation the black excellence thing the side of it that I don't like everyone is not the same person everyone doesn't have the same skill set and everyone is not qualified to lead those conversations and then we end up in situations where we're mad at the individual like there are a lot of people mad at Ice Cube right now for giving his opinion I may not agree with everything Ice Cube has to say, but I feel like he has a right to say it. Right. And I don't think that per se, he necessarily has to be the one to speak for me. So I kind of wanted to know what your thoughts were, your thoughts were surrounding that and where you stand on that issue. I think uh, what part of the problem is people conflate popularity with 
uh, the ability to deliver a message. He has a huge platform. Yes, but the knife cuts both ways. We've never seen Drake speak out on anything, and I agree, nor does he have to. He doesn't have any responsibility. He is a rapper, and he raps, and that's what he does. I don't want... We look at, historically, some of the things that he puts out. We've got a Blackface album cover. We've got, you know, he can uh, co-sign on buffoonery with uh, stripper jerseys, hanging in the Raptors, knowing that... I kind of don't mind that. I'm I'm an occasional cheerleader for foolishness. But anyway... No, but there's... But see, no, there's a place for all that, and that's cool. So I don't need Drake to turn around and tell me what we should be beating a drum for as black people, because he clearly doesn't want to be involved in that, and there's really no need to pull it i mean this is wayne's people and we know Lil wayne doesn't have the most uh he has some interesting political views as well right and so do we really want drake to drake wants to keep his money intact so he does well of steering away from any cause related discussions because that's never been his ministry when we come forward we'll have more on this conversation surrounding drake and opinions as far as the culture and what we should do and whether we think it's appropriate all that and more you're checking out kbla talk 1580 rsvp with jill monroe Hey, it's Jill Monroe. You are checking out RSVP with Jill Monroe. And I am rot, rot. I am not here alone tonight. I am here with my contributor, my dog, Giandra LaBeouf. We are discussing Drake and whether he is responsible for sharing his opinion on social and cultural issues with the world do you want Drake to be your representative do you care about his thoughts on these issues I don't care about none of that I don't I just want him to write music and that's all that's it that's all you know he uh I don't know how much of his voice goes into any of the shows that he's a producer for like euphoria or any of those types of things but I am absolutely with I'm just okay with him not speaking for black people in any way, shape, or form. Thank so, you. So do you think that it is, do people really want to hear from these individuals? Or is it just, why aren't you doing this? Like just a way to complain or get back, you, you know, and to have their voice heard. Because sometimes I question, do you really, really, really want to hear Drake's thoughts on the homeless, for example? No, they just want him to pony up some money because he's rich. And people think that if a person has attained a certain level of wealth, that they should have some autonomy to talk on a variety of subjects. I don't want him to talk about none of that. Just because he's wealthy, he doesn't know what to do with his money as it pertains to that. You know, maybe he wants to go out on the street and get, give the people a couple dollars. But beyond that, he's not going, he doesn't have the depth to talk to any major social issue that affects black people as a whole. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Drake people who think he does. But his view of the bridge is completely different. And he's Canadian. He's a Canadian. That is factual. So, so really quickly, and, you know, this isn't anything sort of. Really, I mean, I'm just curious. It's not relevant. It doesn't matter. But how did you feel about This Is America? Did you care? Like, have you thought about that song since it was released all those years ago? Did you think that it was like a burning movement or that it was something that was so sacred and he just nailed the current status of being black in America that it was, above, a, you know, beyond reproach? I didn't think it was the rally cry that a lot of people made it be. You know, it sounded, it had all the right ingredients on paper to be that, but it just wasn't the route. It didn't resonate with me as a rally cry for 
to make me want to go out and mess some stuff up and tear some stuff up and burn it down. I, I like didn't the feel message. like when you heard "fight the power," huh? Ex- <laughs> not, nowhere even close. No, it nothing about it mobilized me. It was just oh okay. It just gave me more creative peace and you know fodder for conversation, particularly who the messenger was. So I wasn't feeling like tearing up stuff. I also feel like I mean Drake has been a sort of troll his whole career. Yes. He's poked fun at himself. He's alluded to being petty and you know doing these little things that fans love that get the fans going being provocative and what have you you know an envelope pusher to a degree like a safe envelope pusher I know that kind of doesn't make sense but it makes sense to me like he's not really pushing the envelope but he's gonna move it around so you're like ooh, is that he's an shaking the table <laughs> you know so I just feel like, too, I don't understand why people are taking it so seriously that, one, he did the little petty stuff that he did because when has Drake not been petty? That's part of his brand. That's on brand for him. Yes. And and then, two, I mean, I don't know. I just felt like sometimes we get really down in the weeds about things that really, really do not matter. At all. Hit At me, Andy. All. It's because black folk are desperately looking for a leader. Yes. I I agree with that. Yes. I mean, you think about it like when we went through this civil rights movement the first time around. Not the first time, but I'm talking about the 60s. There were definitely men in place that we understood that they had a plan. We understood their direction. They were speaking on all levels of the situation, you know. Men and women, children were all included. We talked about how we can come together or how they wanted us to fight. No matter what, there were people leading the charge that we felt had a command of the subject, that were in and of the communities that they were speaking on behalf of, and that understood the struggles and the progress that we were trying to make. So I think that we're at a time now where it's hard to sort of make those distinctions, Mm -hmm. especially because we've been dealing with social media for the past. 10 to 15 years people's actions aren't necessarily as clear or as pure and you have to consider different sort of things you know there's always been the traitors the people that are in it for other reasons but I think that now more than ever you really have to look at who you throw your support behind absolutely and yeah, that's that's all I have about that. It's it, it, it's challenging to kind of wade through who's really down for the culture, who is doing it for profit, who's doing it to be performative. Social media has made us quite lazy in that regard because it's easy to send a solidarity message sitting behind your in your comfortable air conditioned house, but are you really going to go out and do things that evoke change? People were boycotting buses. People didn't ride the bus for, what was it, two, three years? I mean, it was a long time. Like, people don't realize how long the Montgomery bus boycott really was. You know, I remember when we used to go through those things where people would be like, okay, we're going to not buy this brand or not shop on Tuesdays. And we kind of couldn't get it together even for a day. And again, it is your prerogative, your choice. You stand behind what you feel and what works for you. I understand that completely. But at some point, we have to stick and stay 
and really be about what we say we're about when it comes to these types of issues. And also recognize that everybody doesn't need to be a leader. Everybody doesn't need to be vocal. Realistically, though, there are all levels and ways that you can contribute and help and not all of them involve grabbing the mic and being the front person of it. So that, that should be the least of priorities. You know, call your friends and your neighbors and say, hey, you know what? Why don't we as a neighborhood not buy from this store? And then that person tells that person and et cetera, et cetera. But everybody just wants to say, you know what? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Points were made. That's what I'm talking about. See, I need a, um, what do I need? A bell, an alarm or bing, something. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> the horn. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> not that gesture. Oh, my bad. So anyway. 11 o'clock hour. 11 o'clock hour. We're almost there. We're almost there. I am waiting for the 11 o'clock hour to discuss the Timberland story. Just because it's a little different. It's a little weird. It's a little questionable. You know, we're going to get into all of that. But before we do. Really quickly, we're going to talk about Jadakiss. Now, we know that Jadakiss has been on a tear. He's had a resurgence since the verses happened where it was locks against Dipset. He's been everywhere. And recently he was on a podcast in an interview and the subject came up of Kanye West. And so Jada was talking about the interaction and working with Kanye over the years And he was asked how Ye had been doing. And Jada was like, you know, we really haven't talked to each other in a while. And he admitted that there are about four or five different versions of Kanye. And he's met them all. And they show up at different times. So he doesn't know which Kanye is around right now. He was like, the first four Kanyes that he met, they were awesome. The last two, they were a little bit off. So... I ask you, I wonder, you know, when you think about the industry, right, and longevity, because obviously the locks have been around since the late 90s. Yay was producing in the early 2000s and things like that. How do you keep your professional friendships, but still, you know, if you don't mess with the person anymore, how do you navigate those kind of social graces within an industry like this? Ultimately, it's all the same ecosystem. And whether you like that person or not, you still have to reside in them. With Kanye, I think at this point, you have to accept that you're going to get different versions. I mean, he wrote a song. What, what song was that on the album where he's like, I'm not the this Kanye or the that Kanye? He told us then you were going to get a whole bunch of different versions of and Kanye. And he's a Gemini. And, oh, Lord. And so there's that. And Jada... I, I love Jada Kiss and I love that Jada Kiss is consistently who he is, but he has to look at the trajectory of his career and the trajectory of Kanye's career. Things jade you, things change you. I don't see I don't think Jada was mad. I think Jada, like a lot of industry people, have kind of distanced himself from Kanye. We'll get into all of that and more when we come forward. You are listening to RSVP with Jill Monroe right here on KBLA Talk 1580.